Oh, thank you. And it's good to be here together. So one of the benefits of this last couple of years um, living in quarantine and sometimes isolation and a lot of care with how we are together is that there's been a lot of um, mingling among the sanghas and I've gotten a nice opportunity to spend some time with people at CIMC, the lovely people, practitioners at CIMC, and um, many of you have gotten time to spend, gotten to spend some time with us at Common Ground. So tonight is, although I've um, offered some Wednesday night talks before, this is maybe the first time that we've had a, a joint program hosted by CIMC. So tonight there are I think many people definitely from CIMC and I know a bunch of people who usually come to the Common Ground program on Wednesday night too. So it might be nice just to um, put yourselves on gallery view for a little bit and just look around, wave at each other, smile at each other, at the faces, at the names. Yeah. It's really kind of fun, isn't it? Here we all are. <laughs> I'm so glad you all made it. Yeah, it's really, isn't it? I mean, I see so many smiles that hopefully it feels as good to you as it does to me to just feel the, yeah, it's so nice to just feel the widening of what we might consider Sangha. Yeah, and, and to feel each other's presence, you know, people that we haven't seen in a long time or we've just heard of or, oh yeah, I know CIMC or I've heard of Common Ground and now here we all are, just regular, ordinary people coming to practice the Dharma together. It's so wonderful to, uh, to celebrate that kind of inspiration that's so ordinary and available to us in brief moments like this, like, wow, look at all these people from different parts of the world coming together for Dharma, right? That we've all cleared our schedule for tonight or this morning, or whatever time it is, wherever we are, for a couple of hours to practice together. It's really a precious activity. And a good lead-in because tonight I'd like to talk a little bit about faith. The Buddha said that faith was the beginning of all good things. So, yeah, if a little inspiration got us going on the topic of faith, it's the beginning of something good. Hmm. So I think I'll talk for a little bit, and then um, we'll have more of a conversation. So get ready for your turn. But for now, I'll, I'll share a little bit of with you, of what I've been thinking of and what I've been practicing with and considering. I've been reading, and among other things, this fantastic little book by Sharon Salzberg called Faith, Trusting Your Own Deepest Experience. And if you don't know it or haven't read it, it's um, so accessible and packed with enough Dharma to last you a good long while. It's a book that I bring with me on retreat, on every long retreat, uh, just to have it with me. I often build a little altar when I get there and place this book on it. Um, not so much to read it, but just to remember the possibility of trusting my own deepest experience. Yeah. And the real possibility of freedom that's there, especially through <clears throat> difficult moments, because if you've listened to Sharon, um, she is, uh, really so powerful in discussing, yeah, the the depth of suffering that we might come in contact with and and how to relate, how to really touch it and not be afraid of it and feel the power of, um, yeah, the depth of understanding that's possible there, the depth of refuge that's possible when we, when the heart learns to be more and more courageous with our experience as it is and which includes suffering. And for many of us, it's suffering that's brought us to practice, right? Nod your head if it was suffering that 
brought you here in the first place. Yeah, it was definitely true for me. <clears throat> and so already when I say faith, so for common grounders, this is going to be a little bit of review and a little bit of new stuff, just like it normally is on Wednesday night. So I've been talking about faith for many weeks now, I think three or four weeks, and um, we'll continue for a few more. <clears throat> but, you know, to begin with this word faith, it might have, it might be a little bit activating even to hear that from me at first, like, if the exploration is even somewhat new, or maybe not too new, but maybe there's a kind of uh, bristling in the heart, or there's some residue from previous experiences that you've had with the word faith. And I'd like to read this little little intro from Sharon, um, because I think it it helps create a bigger pasture for us to feel into this Pali word, which is sada, right? and to name right away that there are no perfect translations of another language. So there's many ways that this word has been conceptualized in English, conviction, confidence, trust, faith, to place the heart upon is something that Sharon says quite often. And we can be really encouraged to try on different words in different moments to see what what fits, right? Because we're going to get closer and closer to the essence of the teaching that's there expressed in this word sada. So Sharon says, one day a friend called to ask if we could meet for tea. Knowing that I was writing a book on faith from the Buddhist perspective, she was confused and wanted to talk. How can you possibly be writing a book on faith without focusing on God, she demanded. Isn't that the whole point? Her concern spoke to the common understanding we have of faith, that it is synonymous with religious adherence. But the tendency to equate faith with doctrine and then argue about terminology and concepts distracts us from what faith is actually about. In my understanding, whether faith is connected to a deity or not, its essence lies in trusting ourselves to discover the deepest truths on which we can rely. For some, this will be a very different approach to faith. Many link faith to narrow-minded belief systems, lack of intelligent examination, or pain at having one's questions silenced. Faith might evoke images of submission to an external authority. Historically, the idea of faith has been used to slice cleanly between those who belong to a select group and those who do not, to fuel their own embittered agendas Fanatics harness what they call faith to hatred. I want to invite a new use of the word, one that is not associated with a dogmatic religious interpretation or divisiveness. I want to encourage delight in the word, to help reclaim faith as fresh, vibrant, intelligent, and liberating. This is a faith that emphasizes a foundation of love and respect for ourselves. It is a faith that uncovers our connection to others rather than designating anyone as separate and apart. Faith does not require a belief system and is not necessarily connected to a deity or God, though it doesn't deny one either. This faith is not a commodity we either have or don't have. It's an inner quality that unfolds as we learn to trust our own deepest experience. The Buddha said faith is the beginning of all good things. No matter what we encounter in life, it is faith that enables us to try again, to trust again, to love again. Even in times of immense suffering, it is faith that enables us to relate to the present moment in such a way that we can go on, we can move forward. Instead of becoming lost in resignation or despair, faith links our present-day experience, whether wonderful or terrible, to the underlying pulse of life itself. A capacity for this type of faith is inherent in every human being. We might not recognize it or know how to nurture it, but we can learn to do both. And often, you know, this, I've read this literally, I mean, probably a hundred times, this little introduction from Sharon. And 
each time it really stirs something in my heart, even tonight, you know, the delight in faith or the reality that faith is connected to love or that faith doesn't demand we believe anything, right? It doesn't negate belief either. And these are really have been really powerful ways to lean into the to faith and and how the how the Buddha talked about faith, the importance of faith in a Buddhist context. And for me, has offered a lot of permission to just be myself, right, and to not have to be somehow a realized perfect human being in order to place myself firmly on the path with all of you. And everybody who came before us, all of our, all of the, all of our teachers, all of their teachers, all of our wise ancestors right, that have come in and gone and left something behind for us to pick up and move forward in our own hearts. And as I was doing a little research this afternoon, I, <clears throat> I'm no scholar, um, but I did learn that faith in uh, faith long ago often wasn't pointing to a belief in something, but rather a deep love of something, right? So it was assumed in my understanding that there was a belief there, that a belief in God, for example. So the question about faith was really about, do you love God? Do you know God, right? And so what a, a beautiful beginning like to consider what that might mean for us, right? Do, what do we, what's the deepest thing we know? What's that guiding force? This is what faith points us in the direction of in Buddhism. Like how is it possible to lean on something that's deep and sustainable and really trustworthy, you know, to, to find some safety and especially at times when it doesn't feel like there's any safety around us. It's precisely these moments that we look for faith, right? That we look for refuge. Often refuge can be a way of talking about faith, you know, going for refuge, the action of moving towards something that's safe, right? So it doesn't quite matter the definition so much about faith that we're using, you know, it doesn't really so much matter if we're, if we're more um, <clears throat> compelled to feel into faith as a kind of confidence or a kind of conviction or a kind of surrender, right? Or devotion. Like those are, are really personal ways of relating to faith and faith is quite personal. And so it's, it's at the essence of our exploration of faith that we understand something about, about the going part of going for refuge, about the process that it is, right? And how faith inspires our, our participation and, and that our participation can be refined as we learn and as we grow, right? And what do I mean by participation? Well, everything, <laughs> we're always participating. We're participating with our own hearts. We're listening, we're responding. We're participating with each other. We're listening and responding. We're participating in the collective. We're listening and responding. There's really simply no way out of that. And so what we're more concerned about than how we define faith is what faith inspires us towards. What's, what does faith call us to nurture? And what does faith call us to set down? Early on in my practice, when I started, I started practicing at Common Ground. And like I said, I, I found Common Ground because I was really suffering. And I, I really was seeking some deeper relief than what I had found anywhere else. And I grew up Christian. My grandfather is a Southern, uh, when he was alive, was a Southern Baptist preacher. So I had, I had already fallen in and out of love with the word faith, right? 
And I, and I had some good, I had, he was a, a beautiful human being. And I owe so much to him because he really modeled something about faith, even when I wasn't really paying attention or I didn't think I was paying attention. Just that his humanness and the way he continued to seek a deeper refuge when all the, in any moment of his life. But there was a, so there was this time where I was just really suffering and I found myself to common ground. And I think it was faith that actually allowed me to even go to common ground to explore something like that. And it was because of my grandfather's modeling that I even entertained that as funny as that may seem, right? Because in my family, it hasn't, it, it's not quite, it's not that easy to talk about Buddhism. But it isn't that hard to talk about love, honestly. And it isn't that hard to talk about conviction or resolve, right? And these are words that might be closely associated with faith. Faith is a bit of a complicated word. But I have to really give some credit there to the little bit, the, the tiny little seeds of faith that were planted in my heart, even as a young age, to, to be curious about the deepest kind of safety, right? And so arriving at common ground on that first day, the seed was very small, allowed me to get there, but I was five minutes late and it didn't allow me to stay. <laughs> so I was too scared and I got back in my car and I went home. <laughs> but I came back, right? There's enough there. Like, well, sweetie, don't you want to check this out? So I came back and one thing led to another and I just kept coming. And Honestly, it was more about the people than about the information. It was more about people. The, my first teacher was a, a person who just seemed like he seemed like an angry old guy who was trying to figure it out. And I was really interested in that. Like how you seem, you know, you seem like you understand something about anger. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. He could sit very still. He talked with a lot of love in his heart. And he seemed like, you know, he could be on the edge of anger, but he was really working with it in many moments. And it was honestly because of his modeling, because of this renewing quality of faith that that really piqued my interest. Like, well, how is it that that can be? How is it that a person can really deeply know anger, perhaps, and still be able to sit still? Right? That is not what I know of anger. Anger was not a still kind of emotion. So I was curious about that. You can sit still with something that felt so painful or felt so intense. And then, you know, moment by moment, there was often a little bit of something that had me coming back, but I, I honestly hardly understood anything that any of the teachers were talking about. But that renewing capacity of faith, that inspirational quality, that kind of brightness of oh, maybe, I wonder what's here, is the very beginning of something that we don't want to negate. And over time, faith matures, deepens into something that's really verifiable and unshakable. It can be something that we take with us right up to the moment of our death. I mean, in those moments when life is so hard and we're going through many of them right now, right? And I don't, I mean, I could name all of the ways, but just how about wow as an expression of honoring all that's moving in the collective between and among us, right? And so it seems really right to look for something that is deeply safe and trustworthy. Not just for ourselves, but for each other. And the possibility of taking of, of something that will that we can take with us anywhere. So defined in Buddhism, faith is faith in the teachings, faith in the Dhamma. 
and faith not only in the Dhamma, but in the Buddha's awakening. And faith in the Buddha's awakening, if we want to take it a step further, is really faith in our own awakening. And how many of you, when I made that move from the Buddha to us, you felt your heart go, oh, I don't quite know about that one, Shelley. You had me at Buddha, but not at self. <laughs> well, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? That, and perhaps it's for good reason, you know, I know for myself, I this practice is so much about honesty. So when I'm really honest, I feel all the things and it's often not good news, right? <laughs> I'm not noticing so much of, <clears throat> I mean, I work at it as we all do, noticing what's beautiful and moving in the heart. And I also notice all the places where the heart is caught right? and sometimes not very skillful. And so I think because of this, I would, I would guess that it causes us to say, well, I believe I really have deep faith in the Buddha's awakening, but I'm not sure I place myself in that lineage. Yeah. But what's true for the Buddha is true for all humans. This is the beautiful, such a beautiful aspect of the teachings. And faith in this very kind of what feels like a personal way helps us to get close to our own path and our own unfolding. So faith can be, and I'm just going to keep using the word faith, even though I'm going to assume that we all are going to feel like a lot, have a lot of permission to play, to be creative with language. But I'm going to use the word faith because, like I've said, I, I've fallen in and out of love with the word many times. And today it feels like a real, it really tugs at my heart. And, it, and for me, faith is really closely um, aligned with love. And so I feel that deep love and possibility that's there with the word. And because of that word love, because of the practice of abiding in love, it makes it possible for me to see myself in a lineage with you all right behind the Buddha. Because this heart that knows how to be good also knows how to seek the good. And when we seek the good, we seek the depths of it, yeah. including liberation. So faith can be based on both an understanding and also our experience. And it, it grows as we um, learn how to uh, learn how to become aware of it and learn how learn about the possibility of um, having faith in having deeper faith in the teachings than we do in things right so an understanding that grows as we seek the depth of the teachings an understanding that grows with our own experience right as we learn how to trust and honor our own experience and that means like in the full canvas of life, not just on the cushion, but also in relationship with one another. This path is a really relational one. And in all of our, in all of the ways we uh, place ourselves in the collective, and we understand that, you know, how we participate in our own hearts with our own lives really makes a difference. Right? I have a friend that just got back from their first long retreat, and... They just, they've been back for a few days now, and we've been exchanging some texts. 
and they texted me today and said something about um, how they're realizing that their practice really was for the benefit of all beings because they're seeing the impact of a, a liberated heart, right? They're seeing the it brings tears to my eyes. They're, they're in real time watching the goodness of their practice unfold and, you know, benefit them and benefit other people in their lives. And what a beautiful thing to realize that every moment when we nurture a seed of goodness, it has some impact on so much more than we might even imagine. So faith can be based in an understanding. It can be, be based in our own experience. Like, oh, I'm watching this unfold in real time. Look at this, right? It was a some information that was, you know, somewhat naively easy to accept. Yep, I can see in some subtle ways how my practice impacts others, but now I'm seeing in some really big ways how my practice impacts others. What a beautiful thing. Now experience, right? The growing, how experience is growing and deepening really helps understanding grow and deepen too. Faith also inspires us to notice connections, right? Like what, what, uh, what, in, what does faith inspire? Because faith is so much more about what it inspires than about what it leads us to believe in. And faith really inspires us to keep practicing and to keep dealing with our suffering. Right? So that's the doing part is that faith inspires this heart to keep, to keep going. Right? There was a time when I was feeling uh, not that long ago, just like, wow, I'm not sure the heart has the capacity to connect with more suffering. And you've probably had this experience too over the past couple of years. And realizing like, okay, that's an idea, right? The idea that it's like this heart might be on the edge of overwhelm or somehow this confused idea that love might wear out or <laughs> there might not be enough of it, which is not at all my experience, right? But that, but that faith, you know, allows the heart to keep questioning that assumption, to see it as a view, to see it as something that wasn't actually in real time, maybe a, a deeply held fear, right? But then to keep checking it out. And to, as a way of checking it out, to connect first with the heart that is really feeling on the edge of overwhelm right? The, then the mind kicked into some ideas about, well, on the edge of overwhelm because there's too much suffering and I don't know if my heart's big enough to touch all of that and I'm really afraid of what's going to happen, right? So that's the storyline. But when practice can get really simple and just connect with that, like it did for me in that moment, like, wow, this just really hurts, right? This heart this heart that feels afraid, that trembles, you know, is really feeling the impact of so much suffering. It actually, it actually felt really trustworthy, right? So suffering connected with this faith that invited more practice, like, okay, you know, those ideas might be there, but this possibility of taking refuge in the in, in suffering as a practice tool, right? As suffering as something that's deeply reliable when we are practicing. It was really beautiful. Practice just got really simple. And this can be the way that it is for us when we start to feel the pain of the moment, the pain that's in our hearts. Faith calls us to learn how to take care of that, 
right? To not somehow reject it or negate it or say that, you know, there's something wrong with us. We better be a better practitioner or we better do something. We better do more awareness of breathing practice or let me fix that by making, by going on a retreat pretty soon. You know, there's lots of beautiful responses, but it's a little bit confused for the heart to think that, you know, to think that we might need a fix to this. But rather, the most trustworthy move is just to feel it. Just to feel it. And to feel the impulse of caring that's there, right? Because this heart really doesn't, it doesn't really matter if it's my suffering or your suffering or suffering of people I don't know. Suffering in systems, that, that systems cause harm. Right? Human beings that create systems that cause harm. It doesn't really matter what kind of suffering or how we ballpark that suffering, mine, yours, or ours. Because suffering is suffering. And the heart that can feel that, connect with that, then can find a skillful way to participate with that. Right? And this willingness to keep going back to something like that as a, as a place of refuge right? Because is an act of faith. It's the doing of faith. It's not because we hold a belief that of anything about suffering. It's actually because we're watching something unfold because we care enough to connect with what's real. And this goes against, you know, our biological instincts because our biological instincts will have us get away from suffering and cling to something that's pleasant. But we all know that this is problematic. And so the our spiritual practice asks the most of us, asks us to do something that feels not easy, that feels counterintuitive. That's definitely against the stream of every, you know, just against the stream of cultural norms everywhere. And it might not feel like we consciously do this, but we often put our faith or take refuge, as might be another way to say it, put our faith in or take refuge in a whole lot of things that aren't worthy of taking refuge in or putting our faith in, right? Like binge-watching Netflix <laughs> or endlessly perusing Instagram or Facebook. I mean, how many times have we caught ourselves doing something like that? mindlessly grabbing our phone and looking for something that's going to save us or alcohol or money or power or relationships or the body, right? These are all ways that we unconsciously, you know, we wouldn't do this if we knew better, but the heart isn't quite, you know, we, we need a lot of practice. And they're easy outs. They're like quick routes to happiness for a moment until they fail. Right. So faith inspires us to keep connecting with suffering and to feel the pain of that false refuge. To feel, to feel the loss of that. Like, oh, look at that, sweetie. You really thought that this Netflix show was going was gonna to keep you happy. But now it's over and that really sucks. <laughs> or you thought having a lot of money was going to help you be happy, but now you're just worried about losing it, right? Or the body, right? How you took refuge, sweetie, in having a body that could do all the things you wanted it to do until it couldn't. And what a, what a deep loss that is when the body betrays us that way, gets sick, loses some functioning. And so it's often in these moments of, oh man, right? feel that now, that it calls us to surrender. And we again go back to seeking something deeper. So this capacity to know how to practice to see that suffering is can be really a, is really a, like a north star for us 
like following the thread of suffering, continuing to look, listen to the heart, to feel the little tugs that are there. Even when we, as all human beings will, take refuge in something that's not worthy of taking refuge in, right? And it doesn't mean that watching Netflix is bad. I watch Netflix. <laughs> doesn't mean that. But this idea or this deep felt heart instinct that I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop tracking the mind. I'm going to stop listening and instead place refuge in this show is often what we're doing. So faith is about looking for a more reliable source of safety. What is it that's reliable here? What is really reliable? It's such a good question. What is reliable now? Where's, where's safety for this heart? And often we find that, wow, the only safety is really in the letting go. It's not in the clinging to something. Faith is really heartfelt in this way. It's so brave to say yes to something that's so against the stream, isn't it? So brave. Yeah. And so many, <clears throat> so many opportunities to be brave these days. Faith is really heartfelt, so deeply connected with love and ethics too, because it's ethical to say yes. Yeah. And faith asks us to say yes, oh, yes to this. That's the simplicity of knowing how to practice. I don't know if you felt that in the instructions of you here for the meditation in the beginning, but practice can be really simple. When we learn that it's just about saying yes to this and then trusting that the heart will do something with that, that our participation will be clarified in practice. Perhaps it's just receiving and feeling or sometimes it's doing something like opening the eyes right? when there's anxiety or fear or whatever we're experiencing feels really intense, we might have to do something with it. And this is true when we're moving about in the world also. I mean, just I've been doing what I can do, like many of you, to understand what's going on and with Ukraine, with the war on Ukraine, on the Ukraine people, and it's so complicated that sometimes it's like the heart just goes like, I'm just going to bow down to the complication of this. And how this heart may never completely understand, or it's not possible, you know, unless I were there, unless I were to feel what's there to be felt over many generations, right? it would be really hard to understand. This is the way I feel about white supremacy in, in the United States. There's lots of 
moments where the heart goes, oh yeah, it's like this power and superiority that causes problems and negates human beings and whole groups of human beings is like this. And the systems that are established on these false refuges of power and domination, I can just take, we can just take what we want, no matter if it hurts anybody. And how that the heart just absorbs that, you know, it's like in the ether, we don't even know it, but we're just breathing it in all the time. Sometimes it's possible to feel like, oh, in these moments, white supremacy is like this. But at other times, it's like, wow, I have no idea how this came to be. It feels so elusive to me and so complex that I'm just going to bow down to it. Right? Say yes, ah, to the complexity of it. So this devotional aspect of faith, to be willing to say yes, even in complex moments when there's not an intellectual understanding a complete intellectual understanding there. It's like this heart can see enough to know, well, there's a lot of suffering, right? And it has a lot of causes. And the confluence of causes and conditions have aligned in such a way that this is the result. So as much as much, for as much as I can do, I can just bow down and say yes to that and appreciate that as a force of nature. So having faith in the teachings and seeking the depth, seeking the depth of safety in moments is like really understanding something, even beyond what we can see and understand intellectually, right? That this reality is a force of nature when it's really local and when it's really big and amorphous, local like an expression of anxiety in the heart, right? a distracted mind, body pain, all a force of nature. White supremacy, also a force of nature. International conflicts, also a force of nature. The reality that some conflicts get a lot of attention and other conflicts don't, also a force of nature, right? And although we can do our best to understand something about cause and effect, we can even see like, oh, well, when the heart knows how to get simple and just connect, doesn't mean not caring about the complexity, but when the heart can feel the power of simplicity and saying, yes, and there is actually energy to participate skillfully, it doesn't negate that. And when the heart can say, yes, uh-huh, it feels, it feels good. We can learn this, right? By watches like cause and effect, just learning. Oh yeah, it actually feels good. It feels useful for the heart to learn how to value simplicity. And even though we can learn like this, we still will never know all the causes and conditions that have supported this moment, right? And it would make us crazy to try to think about it, to try to understand it that, that well. But we can have a lot of reverence for all of the forces that have influenced now, which then allows us to really hold ourselves tenderly from moment to moment. I don't know, I'm sure many of you have had this experience like I have where, you know, the heart is full of love or kindness or really knows how to value simplicity or, you know, feels undistracted. And then we go, I go looking for that again, like, oh, but wait a minute, it's so not there. And then I go, well, what am I doing wrong? I've got to be doing something wrong, right? But it's not true. It's just that the conditions are so different right now, right? So one way of, one way of supporting ourselves and being able to be say yes to really allow the heart to find the space that it needs to say yes is this bit of wisdom that's there that goes like oh yeah this isn't this isn't my fault this isn't about me at all this is actually just a force of nature the conditions are different the heart feels 
disconnected because the conditions are right for that expression. The heart feels full of love because the conditions are right for that expression. Yeah. And we can do what we can to cultivate conditions of skillfulness, but actually the, the experience of meeting and connecting and saying yes is very wholesome. Love is there, awareness is there, ethics are there because we're not doing something violent, trying to kill it, right? Trying to kill distraction or kill delusion. Right? We're just like, yeah, this is here. So faith is also about just the acknowledgement that this is here, right? It's not a naive sort of um, belief in something, the prevailing power of something, right? I don't actually, I don't actually know if love is going to win and I'm going to have, we're going to have the kind of life I want for us all. I don't actually know that, but I do know that it feels good to practice love. And I do know that it has some benefit and I also know to surrender to the impact, no matter what it is, right? Because sometimes the intentions can be there, the goodness of the heart can be there, and it lands poorly. If you have intimate relationships with people, which we all do, you've probably seen this. You say something with the best of intentions, and your friend or partner or child or something goes like, oh, I can't believe you said that like that. And you're like, oh, what? You know, I was just really kind. I just wanted to help or something. And it was true, right? You did want to help. <laughs> I did want to help. But so we have to just like trust that there's some goodness. And we also have to trust that the impact may or not may be may or may not be what we hope it is. Right? But faith is that kind of renewing willingness to go like, I'm not going to close the door on love because it didn't work out. Because wisdom was there to help us understand, oh, this is just nature, right? So love is still trustworthy. It really is. It's still trustworthy. Goodness is still trustworthy. Isn't not about that at all. It's just also about surrendering to the force of nature as it is. This is why Sharon said, what is it that she said? Allows us to love ourselves. I mean, she says that a lot, but let me read that little. No matter what we encounter in life, it is faith that enables us to try again, to trust again, to love again, right? Because it's not the problem of trust or love. or effort that the impact wasn't as we wanted it to be. I read one more little thing from Sharon and then we'll um, open it up to more discussion. The Buddha once told this story about faith. A herd of cows arrives at the bank of a wide stream. The mature ones see the stream and simply wade across it. The Buddha likened them to fully enlightened beings who have crossed the stream of ignorance and suffering. The younger cows, less mature in their wisdom, stumble apprehensively on the shore, but eventually they go forward and cross the stream. Last come the calves, trembling with fear, some just learning how to stand. But these vulnerable, tender calves also get to the other side, the Buddha said. They cross the stream just by following the lowing of their mothers. The calves trust their mothers and, anticipating the safety of reunion, follow their voices and cross the stream. That, the Buddha said, is the power of faith to call us forward. And read a little bit more. But 
I hope that reminds you of us <laughs> emulating for each other. In Bodh Gaya, at my first meditation retreat, I was like a newborn calf in my bright faith, and the Buddhist voice full of lo love promised to lead me home. The voice of the Dharma was showing me how to get there step by step. The voice of the Sangha was reminding me that I wasn't traveling alone. It had been nine years since my mother died. As we recited the three refuges together, I could hear the voice of the archetypal mother beckoning, wise, watching out for me, welcoming, caring, always present. I offered my heart in response, vibrating with energy and inspiration. I felt a sense of promise and hope I'd never felt before. By the end of my first full day of practice, I wondered if I was insane to be there. <laughs> I was in tremendous physical pain. My back ached, my knees were on fire, and trying to sit for so many hours in the classic cross-legged meditation posture. All of this added to the discomfort of an unfamiliar position, and all the deeply held tension in my body was just starting to reveal itself. I was a bundle of knots. I had been so excited to learn meditation. This was it? <laughs> Isn't this the reality of our lives? And moments like, oh yeah, we're so inspired in this bright way. And then reality kicks in and all the suffering and our humanness and problems. And it's really hard. And then a little bit later, she says, despite how badly I felt, every evening I would listen to her teacher at here was um, Essen Goenka. I would listen to Goenka's discourse and fall in love all over again with the Buddhist teaching. My bright faith spurred me on to face another miserable day of practice. <laughs> then one day something happened. I sensed a startling shift inside. At times the pain lifted and I felt a lightness and clarity that reminded me of the glimpse of freedom I'd experienced standing under the Bodhi tree just days before. I was beginning to see something entirely new about myself. And I love this. I hope you do too. And you probably go like, what was she learning? But that's faith, right? You just keep showing up for the learning. This is what we all do. And often it starts with a little inspiration. We might not know where it's headed. We don't see the depth of it. And then before we know it, we go, oh, look at that. I know how to practice and what a beautiful thing that is. And we start to see how meaningful it is to have found something that will carry us through all the moments of our lives. So thank you, friends, for your kind attention tonight. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for hosting, Nico, and big love to all my CIMC friends and all my Common Ground friends. See you again. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.